0: Thanks for joining us on episode 1,328 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast.
1: I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and to utilize your focus and determination to live out your calling. Having that ability is one that I inspire myself to follow. Another can perhaps gain inspiration by listening to the Inspire Sewership podcast with my friend, Scott Mather. And coming from the war, psychologically, so the only hope that she had was waiting for a letter that came from Italy once in a while for for her family. And I remember we used to play in the kids in the street with the other children.
0: Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can can impact the world. In today's podcast episode, I interview Dr. Salvatore Fortina. Dr. Salvatore shares with you how he learned as a multi-country immigrant to stay focused even when things were not going well. Dr. Salvatore also shares how he's captured his journey and what it means for you and shares it in his book. And I also asked Dr. Salvador about his journey and his faith. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up, and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from, and instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Born in Italy during World War II, Dr. Salvatore Fortina's early years were spent in poverty before his family immigrated to Argentina. Once there, he was sent away to live with an order of redemptionist priest, as they were the only avenue for education. Eventually, he completed medical school and immigrated to the United States where he became the chief of surgery at two major hospitals. Recently, he's published The American Doctor about his journey from poverty to success in medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Fortina. Doing very well. Thank you. Awesome. It's great to have you on. And I talked a little bit in the intro and shared a little bit about the book that you've released and a little bit about your history and your journey. But can you talk a little bit more about what brought you to write this book? What was your background and why did you decide to put this book out into the world?
1: When I started my private practice, we were young with my wife, and we used to be invited to different houses, different events, and those events, you had doctors, lawyers, common people, neighbors, politicians, you name it. So what happened What happened was that then, in more than one occasion, as you start to get familiar and start to talk about, um, they ask about your background because, you know, somebody, you're a doctor. Now you're a chief of surgery in two hospitals. How you came from, a, from the other part of the world, how you end up accomplishing uh, such a thing here. I, you have to have some connection. You have to whatever people. And I say, no, I said my humble beginning with, I start without nothing. I had to start without books. I, my, I was born in Italy between Rome and Naples and during World War II. And everything, the area where my parents lived was the area close to Monte Cassino. The Germans were in the north, and the Allies were in the south, and in between there was a battlefield, the no, no man's land, mines and destruction and misery all over. So what happened, it was the, in more than one occasion, somebody say, oh, you, you have uh, accomplished something that not too many people will accomplish. And so you should write this, a memoir or whatever. And it never came to my mind that day I was going to write a book. Okay? But you know what? When I retire and I start to remember with my parents Die eventually. And I start to have the memory how we started and the, what we had to suffer in Argentina, how it's hard to start in this country all over again for nothing. I start to get sentimental. I start to, something was motivating me inside me. And what the cause. The push that I got was my granddaughter was born, Lena. Mm-hmm. Now she's going to be next month, eight years old. And I say, you know what? When I she was around the house just a few weeks ago here, came to visit us with my daughter. And uh, I say, I want to leave a legacy. Like uh, my father left a memory for me. The, he was a simple man. But he left something. I want to leave to my granddaughter something that she can be proud. And perhaps maybe when she's a teenager and is going through the tough time, because that's what life is about, and you have to make a decision, perhaps maybe one night in her solitude she can pick up this book, and open up one page and say, wow, that was my grandpa. Look what he has done. And maybe I can... For her. Plus, if I can help anybody that is in the moment of depression, or they need a, 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 a word or comfort or whatever, okay, if this book can bring that to that person, I would be the happiest person in this world.
0: So, I want to call out cuz you you skipped a little bit in your journey there. You went you mentioned you were in Italy and then you mentioned offhandedly in Argentina.
1: Yeah, flew oh. fast.
0: <laughs> like, connect the dots for folks. How did you go from Italy in World War II to Argentina and and then on to America where you became okay. you know, the title of the book is The American Doctor. So, there's a yeah.
1: Yeah, so I got to, I, we're going to connect the data. Yeah. So, what happened was my father was a worker and he worked in the ceramic in Scoury in Italy. And after the war, everything was destroyed. There were no jobs, there was misery there. So, it happened that this factory was moving to Arge, move uh, a branch to uh, open a branch in Argentina. And so, uh, the offer to maybe Fifty or sixty workers, specialized worker, carpenter, bricklayer, you name it, mechanics, and uh, opportunity to go there, spend two years there, and if eventually they want to settle there, they could settle there. So my father took the opportunity and went to Argentina. There was this was in 1947. Of course, Argentina was very fertile soils, so like Texas, rich. Uh, and, and there was no war. My father had developed a war, a psychosis with the war, because during the war, he lost his brother, he lost his brother-in-law, his father. Uh, for many months, uh, he had disappeared, and the family didn't know if he was alive or, or dead, or, because the Germans, they were taking those men and sending to Germany as prisoners of war to work in their factories. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, so we went to Argentina, and in Argentina, I spent 20 years Argentina. At that time, we were really immigrant without nothing. No, you were on your own. My poor mother was around 30 years old, had me and my brother. I was eight years old. My brother was maybe under two, all right? And we were living in the outskirts of the city. And... When my father uh, was all the time. He, like I said before, he was a worker. He had a second, third degree schooling, like my mother. Because at that time the family were be, uh, they were large, and they, they had to work. Even the children they had to take the animal to the mountain. To, to, to and that's what life. There was a lot of misery, poverty. And then, so those kids, they had to grow up fast. And then, so what happened was that they, um, in Argentina, was, I remember an episode of my poor mother. They, at that time, eight years ago, or whatever, you had to realize that there are no telephone for us, no TV, no radio. They not. So my poor mother, they didn't speak Spanish, and the customers were different. They didn't have any friends and coming from the war, psychologically. So the only hope that she had was waiting for a letter that came from Italy once in a while from her family. And I remember we used to play in the kids in the street with the other children, kicking the ball. We made a ball with a sock, Mm -hmm. put some cloth inside and that round ball, we kicked the ball and there was no asphalt, There was all dirty, dusty place. And we kicked the ball until the ball became like a sausage. Okay, and uh, so I'm, my mother once in a while used to come out and say, ask me if the mailman had delivered any letter for that day. And I didn't understand the meaning, and so my she was so anxious to get it. Once in a while, when she got the letter, she read the letter and reread the letter. It's like a. There was something there that the she, uh, nobody, nobody could understand. So that's that, that psychological thing really persisted in my mind mm-hmm. all my life. Mm-hmm.
0: So, as you spent that time in Argentina, you know, was, were you going to school? Was it you were an immigrant and with your family there? Or how did your Education, you, you obviously became a doctor later. So how did that play out in your time in Argentina?
1: Well, what happened was, like I said before, my father had an op- almost an obsession for me to study. I was eight years old. I didn't want to study at that age. And I, I, you're a child. And so what happened was one day, it happened not too far away, a few blocks away from my, my parents' house this priest came to preach. And uh, I was talking to one of the priests, and he was showing me some picture of the whole, a small pony, the kids uh, swimming in the river and uh, playing soccer and having a good time. And to me, this was a different world. So I told my father, I would like to go to this place. So my father, of course, saw the opportunity and jumped. And then, so I was 11 years old. I, se- I was separated from my mother for the, uh, when I was 11 years old. And that was a boarding school. I saw my parents mm. once a year. So that also psychologically affected me very much. Of course, I was not prepared for the discipline in this place because this place was, you had to pray a lot. And you had to study a lot. And the two things that I hate. <laughs> so I, the first year, I really had a very hard time. And, of course, I got the psychological discipline and uh, corporal pun- punishment when you didn't behave. At the age of 11 years old, you throw your tantrum. But uh, that was something that they made me... I, when I went there... I will say I was a little wild, but when I left after seven years, I was introverted. I was timid. I was shy. I recall. I, I was not prepared for the war to face the war.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did, how did your faith journey affect your journey from Italy to Argentina and on to the U S and becoming a doctor?
1: The, I will say, yeah, my faith was there, but the, my faith was more when I came to United States. Mm-hmm. Because you see, when I was in Argentina, I, my parents couldn't afford to buy books for me. So, what happened? My friends in La Plata was in La Plata, close to Buenos Aires. And weekend, Friday afternoon, they used to go to Buenos Aires and spend the weekend there and have a good time because they were for well love families. My family could afford the book, so imagine it could afford for me to have a good time. Forget it. So that's the time when I lock like myself in my room that was sharing with others, and uh, I borrowed the book, I study, make notes. And that's the way that they, all that I will mention all that because the desire that my father used to talk to me, and he used to tell me how life was so difficult for them uh, the, during the war. The, that's why they had to leave everybody, their own family, the roots, the, uh, and they migrate to another place. They were as, uh, the strangers, okay, and. The, At that time, they were no, they don't look at you with good eyes because you were another invader, invader. It's very sad, but that's human nature. And so anyhow, so I eventually I went to, when I left that school, my grades were not recognized. So I had to take an exam again and I lost another year. So I spent 20 years in the public school. Now, of course, it was a shock. Uh, the public school didn't have the discipline that I had before. And I was not prepared. I was a uh, limbo again. Here we are. First of all, all this, because you see what happened? The main thing, looking back, I didn't have a stewardship. I didn't have a guidance. I didn't have nobody that told me, "Son, do this, don't do that. No, but I had to make it many mistakes, and many times I was on my knees. And so that's the point of my faith. In many occasions, when I was so down and so depressed, you could, I could say, that I didn't have any hope, I was like a knife, infected position, and shaking, and I say, God, please, give me a chance. Give me a chance Okay. I didn't have it. I was, my life was like a small boat being in the middle of the ocean at the mercy of the wind. I didn't see the horizon. I didn't see, I didn't know in which direction to, and that's have been my life. Mm -hmm.
0: You're in a unique position because you, you were set up in a way where it, it seems like if you listen to your story, everything was against you making it to America, becoming a doctor, this sort of thing. And I think a lot of times, a lot of folks struggle with that idea of feeling like, I've got a goal, I've got something I want to do, but it feels like everything's against me. Everything's holding me back. The world's against me, that kind of feeling. What advice do you have to folks that are are feeling that way. They know that there's something that they want to do. They know that they have that goal, but it feels like everything is holding them back and acting against them.
1: Okay. So first thing I would desire for that person that is in that situation, I hope he's a lucky person to have the parents Mm -hmm. or to have some guidance, somebody, a coach, a, a, a rabbi, a minister, you name it a priest, or whatever, an influence a person that can really tell, do this and don't do that. Okay, that's the main thing. Second, I think you have to have a little bit of flame inside yourself. You have to have the desire. For instance, I compare myself now to the, the people that go to university here in the United States. People who go to university. They had the guidance. They had the a goal when they want to go. A, it's all the opposite of me because you see what happened. I you could you don't even have the minimal chance to set a goal because you live day by day. You have, just for instance to tell you to, to compare, when we were in Argentina in the university. Here in this country, there is one student have one microscope. <laughs> over there, there was one microscope, and there were like a thirty student for each microscope. And you had to look at the specimen, bending over to the instrument, and you couldn't sit down. They push you on the other side because that's the way, that's the way uh, this like the survival or the fitness or whatever. He say he the, the opportunity so that's why when i'm saying when somebody like in been in this country they had the opportunity and now today with the, the internet and the communication and the instant knowledge thing, we didn't have nothing at that time i didn't have nothing and so if you had just like i say a little bit of motivation and the desire to succeed, you're going to succeed. It's not going to be easy. Life is not easy, but you have to have the motivation. You have to have something inside yourself and say, okay, fine, today is a bad moment, but tomorrow is going to be better. <laughs> and that's what they, uh, because the determination had to be there. Mm-hmm. nothing come easy. That's a, The thing that come easy, they're forgotten right away.
0: So do you think having that determination or having the resilience to keep going when things are sending you back, is that something that we're born with or is that something that you can learn?
1: I think it's a combination of things. I I put yourself a small child is in the kitchen and he knows there is a jar of, of marmalade there over the island. And, And he jump and jump I cannot grab. But keep jumping because he desires that you want to grab that. You want to enjoy that sweetness. All right? And so the stubbornness, in us there is a stubbornness to try to achieve something. But the stubbornness also had to be coated, amalgamated or combined with... you internal values, and your desire to succeed. The, for me, my parents, they couldn't do any, give me anything, but they gave me the desire to get out of the hole. My life was like being in a hole, and I couldn't see the sun. I was looking up, I saw the sunlight there, but I want to get out of that hole and, uh, and see the sun in the horizon. That's the difference so that's why the motivation the desire, the constant desire I want to be plus you know what happened when I was a child we were discriminated with, uh, and so you felt first of all psychologically, you you other friends you you go to a, my clothes I have my jacket, but I have one jacket compared with the and so the girls. At that age, a teenager girl they're not looking at you. (laughs) So you you are more isolated. So there are, there is so many psychological things that I went through. Mm -hmm. But that made a determination that I want to be somebody. I want to succeed. And I hope one day I achieve that.
0: How does gratitude play out in that kind of experience when, you know it it would be very easy to be bitter about the way you grew up and angry about it but i'm hearing a lot of gratitude in your voice too How yes does gratitude play out for that
1: i appreciate that i appreciate the gratitude because the gratitude first of all that i succeeded in in middle of all the adversity i succeeded and the best gratitude i i practiced surgery i did general surgery trauma vascular and the last 15 years, advanced laparoscopy uh, with a monitor, a small hole. You make a small hole and do major surgery. And uh, my gratitude is that uh, I was able to help thousands and thousands of people. with My skill and my determination. I had a gratitude for having my parents. I was a lucky guy to have parents that were humble but they have the values or the common sense and uh, they believe in me. I have the gratitude to this country that allow me to come here and allow to specialize in the other two countries and then get that. So my gratitude, it just doesn't have an end hmm. to all those people. And my patient too my gratitude to my passion that uh, I could help and you know, establish like a family relationship mm-hmm. so
0: I've got a few questions that I like to ask everybody but before I ask those is there anything else about the book that you feel is really important for the listener to hear
1: I think the book comes from the heart and the book written in a simple way and it is for everybody. It is for the average person. There is for... I am a classic guy. I studied the classic, the old Greek, the old uh, uh, Latin and uh, I was brought up with the culture, the operas. Uh, and I, I'm into that. It's a, a different world. Uh, and so because of that, there is a lot of mentioning in different places about the... the certain analogy with the opera, with the people living in different area, the type of life they have, how the, the civilization came about, whatever. Okay. So in other words, there is for a very simple person and there was for the people they want to be motivated and do the research whatever, but is something is there. There is the beginning or the pathway that you have to, if you want to follow, it's like the demand comedy, you had to wait for Virgil, Dante had to wait for Virgil to take him around so that he didn't get lost.
0: Mm-hmm. My brand has inspired stewardship, and you mentioned stewardship earlier when you were answering one of the questions. When you hear that word stewardship, what does it mean to you and how have you seen
1: it in your life? I think stewardship is very important. All right. Uh, To me, because my life had been like walking through a tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, I saw a dim light, and that would guide me. But I was walking through a tunnel by myself. And as I approached the light, I was having the hope that I had reached some place. What happened? I arrived to that place. I was exhausted. And when I look at uh, uh, some uh, written uh, target there, say dead end. And that was, have been my life. I had to go back and forth and back and forth. So this is my
0: favorite question that I like to ask all of my guests. Imagine for a minute that I invented this magic machine and I could take you from where you sit today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, maybe 200 years. And through the power of this machine, you were able to look back and see your entire life and see all of the connections and all of the ripples you've left behind. What impact do you hope you've left behind in the world?
1: Like my friend used to say, you cannot go through world, this world without turning stones. I remember an analogy in which in Africa, the primitive people, the Neanderthal, whatever, how apparently have were running to some place that they have left their print footprint. And now, after so many thousands of year, we can analyze how they were they were small feet, big feet, women, children, whatever. And they were running for some reason, running maybe for survival, or whatever. So here we are. They left us something behind. And that's what life is about. is to leave something behind for somebody else with the experience that you have. At that time, maybe somebody else can add something more to that. And that uh, because invention that they don't come just for one person or other. It's a combination. It's a follow different path until somebody had the light and say, ah, this is how the thing can, can be modified or whatever. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope that the uh, somebody will say, well, 200 years ago also there was there were some people, not everything was roasting. They had the TV, they have a car, they have a supersonic jet, they had the yacht. But there was also somebody that was struggling, they want to get out of the hole. And here we are, you have a case, this guy, who we don't know who he was, okay? Because he doesn't have a connection, he he's, was no politician, he didn't have money, he didn't have nothing. And he accomplished something in life. And that's the beauty. They showing that anybody, everybody with the desire and the hard work and with prayer, you can accomplish something in life.
0: So what's coming next for you the rest of this year as you continue on with the book and everything else? What's on your roadmap for the rest of this year?
1: happened, I had to tell you, I like to bike. And I bike um, 20 miles, three, four times a week. And every other day I walk two and a half miles. My I come from good genes. My father died when he was 99 and a half, and my body was 95. However... Just less than ten days ago, I was biking and I felt uncomfortable. I have it in the stomach, epigastric discomfort. So mm-hmm. somebody, saw, I was biking and somebody saw me. I said, "Are you all right?" I said, "Yeah, I think." So they took me home. To make a long story short, I ended up in the hospital. I had to have a different test. I had to have catheterization, and I have one major vessel, the coronary vessel, that was ninety-nine percent occluded. Oh, okay, so I was lucky enough that I had the right person there. They gave me the heparin, they, they, they did the catheterization, they put a balloon and they put a stand there. And now I'm taking the medication, I'm doing well. So I say, life everything is relative. I learned mm-hmm. a big lesson because you know what happened all my life for 40 years. I was from the other side. I took care of people. But now I saw life from this side, mm-hmm. the patient side. And believe me, that created a lot of anxiety. That created a lot of anxiety. It's a different world.
0: Did you and have I mean, to tell him how to do it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
1: and, and you become humble. And you become a humble person because, listen, we are. All under the same sky. And you cannot tell. You cannot tell. So that's why to me, the people fighting and politic and disagree and disagree. Life is short, my friend. Life is short. Do the best. Set the example to improve things.
0: Absolutely. I agree 100 <laughs> percent They I was a school teacher for years, and school teachers make that uh, worse students because teachers. If you have to teach teachers, it's always horrible. I'm wondering if doctors yeah. make the worst patients. Is that true? Yes.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Let me tell you just uh, another thing. What happened was I remember many when I was younger, many years ago. I was in a in New Jersey in Tinek. We used to live there, and I started my practice, and I had to prepare for the board of surgery. It was a major thing so what happened i was uh, in the winter time and i was studying very hard and drinking coffee okay so what happened in between working and this and that so in between there was a big tree in front oak tree in front of the house and the leaves were falling down so with a big ladder i went there to get the to clean the gutter or whatever okay and then i did a bad movement whatever and i'm right-handed so i could hold the ladder with the left hand to make a long story short, I ruptured the the in the shoulder, the rotator cuff, mm-hmm. and that bothered me a lot, on and off, on and off, on. And off. So what happened was that the I was thinking I was going to have a heart attack. I had to go, uh, go to the emergency room, but I couldn't have the surgery until many years after because I was doing laparoscopic surgery and I had to move my shoulder and the the, the orthopedic. Surgeon say, Sal, listen to me. You're a surgeon and you're stubborn like anybody else. Either you do 100% what I tell you to do, otherwise you're going to come back. I said, Roger, there is no way in hell that I'm going to come back because this, I went through it. Another thing that was had experienced. You know what? I retired. Soon I retired, six months. Ma- I took six months for me to rehabilitate and now I'm fine with the shoulder. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were, uh, uh, we are different breed. Yeah. We are different breeds.
0: You can find out more about Dr. Fortina over on Facebook as Dr. Salvatore Fortuna or find his book over on Amazon. Of course, I'll link up to all of that in the show notes as well. Salvatore, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener?
1: I hope that this talking, familiar talk like that, can be a a stimulus and a hope for somebody that doesn't have any hope. Because the worst thing in life is not to believe there is an end to the suffering and a possible better future. Because for different circumstances. So I hope that uh, this simple talk had been a plus. And, uh, open somebody's eyes. And maybe reading some pages of my book that they really they're all honest, true. i have lived that can be comfort and help for a a depressed soul.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. your talent and your treasures develop your influence and impact the world